I think it was, it may have been Alex Cross. He wrote, that's a fictional name. He wrote books about the banditos and the Hells Angels and law enforcement paid him to infiltrate both. And uh, so the problem is he had, of course, I served in Nam. I was part of the CIA, all this like totally out of control crapola. Oh, and I am a martial arts master, which is what got us in. And one of the members of the forum got a pretty good lead on his real name. We hadn't tested it yet, but he also contacted the Hells Angels and found out that if they could get their hands on him, they would beat him bloody. And this was after 2013. Yeah. And we and I and the person had a meeting where we a phone meeting where basically it was, okay, do we really want to do this? Because once we go down this path, we know what the result is going to be. And we were like, ah, this is a person, this is a person, this is a person who will actually get their head knocked off. You are about to enter a nexus of science, violence, and nonsense. We're fake news, pseudoscience, and weaponized stupidity. Meet full contact fact-checking and peer-reviewed ass-kicking. And as always, no bullshit allowed. Recorded live at Shido headquarters in Austin, Texas. This is the art of fighting BS podcast. Holy shit, Let's do this. My name is Samuel Browning. From 2004 until 2013, I was on. I was a administrator on the site. My specialty was supervising investigations of questionable martial arts behavior. <laughs> Yay me! But what that typically involved was organizing investigations, determining whether there was actually a need for an investigation, and supervising, when possible, some of the. Uh, threads which were not investigation write-ups to make sure things did not get out of control investigation determining in my real life i'm a real estate attorney (laughs) so your real job you deal with even worse scum than we did i could tell you more i could tell you more but i'd have to bore you first no that's you guys do the (laughs) uh, do the all the nitty-gritty work that we don't have to face so that the rest of us can sleep in relatively Peace. You're the frontline soldiers in the battle against, I don't know, the force of humanity. God. No, I just helped Susie and Johnny uh, close their house. <laughs> no, like I said, the worst of humanity, especially the last couple of years with the real estate market. Now, this isn't that kind of show, so we won't bore our audience with that. So, yeah, we have an interesting history with doxing, do we not? As a community, as an organization, as, a, as an activist group in our own right. Wouldn't you say that? Oh, yes. You Once you start running citizen investigations and you start investigating martial arts fraud, then occasionally you would get involved in things that would be considered doxing, which has now become one of the big no-nos on the Internet, or it's a norm that people are trying to create and enforce. And this arose out of some of the stuff that happened on Kiwi Farms. But I'm now in the position where I have to explain to people why doxing is even necessary at all 
And that takes us back to a real blast from the past, Ashita Kim, basically a white man pretending to be a Japanese ninja. And uh, this was back in about 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. And this individual had been writing basically ninja porn, ninja manuals for Paladin Press, always claiming that they were a properly trained ninja, which no one in the actual ninja community actually believed. But nah, he sold a bunch of books. And so we started tracking down who this individual was. And through various twists and turns, we discovered it was a Radford Davis living in the vicinity of Naples, Florida. And we even went to obtain some video of him just to make sure we didn't name the wrong Radford Davis. That would have been highly embarrassing. Yeah. But as part of the investigation, we had a dossier and his home address got printed. And I would defend that decision to this day because it was part of the story. Yeah. We needed to establish an identity where the person lived, et cetera. And there was no strong likelihood that uh, he would be in danger as a result of this. Obviously, publishing someone's address is entirely contextual. For example, if someone published my home address, it's already been up previously on government websites, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. You have someone who's fleeing a stalker, totally different matter. Yeah, yeah. Not to completely derail right out of the gate with re regards to that, but it's there is a bit of a difference between doxing just a guy and then even then a female, for example, because there's a lot of uh, just being a guy. You're, I hate to use the word privilege, but you're less likely to have to deal with a lot of the shit that a woman, especially ones that lives by herself. We don't have the same set of fears and concerns. I'll just put it that way. You mentioned a stalker, not that there aren't stalkers on both ends yeah. of the spectrum, but yeah. Yeah. Mind if I tie this into Kiwi Farms, which is how we got why the discussion came up again. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Because yeah, that was, it was in the news recently. And a lot of people I know have been like keeping an eye on that whole mess. Kiwi Farms is basically a site that was set up to mock a particular individual who was highly autistic, and then it later expanded itself. It's an offshoot of something awful, and depending on who you talk to for it, or 8chan. What makes Bullshito interesting is that we have also, in the early days, like 2003, 2002, our membership was influenced by something awful, and we used to have an epic thread making fun of ridiculous martial art artist pictures. Yeah. Someone would be doing do what someone would be doing something like dressing as some Japanese nobleman, for example, and looking plainly ridiculous. And we would yank put take their picture from open sources, put it up on the thread and laugh at them. Which is fair. Uh, yeah, I mean it's oh some people would call that doxing. If it's public you can call what we were doing rude, nasty. Some people will call it bullying, but the picture was up there on an open source. It was not stolen, obtained. There might be a copyright issue with it, but the long story short is we were not. The picture was already out there in the public, so it didn't really count as doxing, whereas doxing seems to be either publishing an address or publishing information which was otherwise hidden. But what makes it fuzzy is if you use the Wayback Machine and you go far back enough, you'll discover information about people which was once public and has slid into the private realm again so it's not easy it's not sometimes totally easy 
But on the other hand, it's a great investigative tool because you'll find someone saying something 10 years ago, which totally contradicts their life, their claim life history a decade later. Yeah, that's typically after various. I don't want to, I want to extend that one down because that is one of the issues where it is. I would argue that it is pretty ethical to to dock someone, maybe not just in the sense that you're dumping all their private information out there. You're saying individual A has this personality, this public personality where they're claiming this or they're this level of expertise or this or that. And the actual information is contradictory. That's different than saying they live at 456 Maple Street and are gone on uh, week, weekday evenings. So that, that sort of thing. You can't really swat someone based on just saying, okay, no, this person uh, has, they work, they're, I don't know, they're a janitor or something, and they've been claiming that they're a like an elite assassin. Yeah, to be clear, I don't think anyone in their right mind supports swatting, which for the listeners, for the one or two people who don't know what that means, it's basically calling a police department under false pretenses and telling them that some horrible crime is happening at a certain location. And you better get here immediately. And basically, the implication is to show up with guns drawn, which dramatically increases the chance that someone's going to get shot. There are apparently people on the Internet who enjoy doing that. and It's absolutely horrific. Is, at least in some places, illegal now? Or are they just still behind the curve on dealing with that sort of thing? Here's the thing. It is illegal in some places explicitly. I think that you could make an argument for something that extreme, that it would be the equivalent of filing a false police report. Yeah, but this, certainly you would get in. Uh, that's not, uh, if you called like into a nine strong enough to, okay, you just filed a false report. Uh, I call in nine one one. I claim that someone is getting shot. Yeah, I know it's a nine one one call. I know there's a police response. I'm lying about facts that that are going to influence. That's going to influence the law enforcement response. I think it's debatable, but I think that this. It will be an interesting case to try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by now, I think some of the more progressive states would have come up with something to deal with that. I, mean, I live in Texas, so, you know, whatever. The cops show up, they shoot you, you shoot yeah, you. It, just, you know, everybody gets shot. The problem is I'm not an expert on all 50 states. We get the laws in all 50 states. I know that some states have outlawed it, but I didn't. I don't have a list off the top of my head. Yeah. We don't need to go too far down that rabbit hole, but it's bad, kids. Don't do it. Okay. That's. Yeah, the Bullshito would also, in investigations, we'd also not publish someone's social security number. That was a big no-no. Sometimes we were a little bit too oriented by journalistic standards towards building a dossier. Okay, so-and-so says that he's he's studied ninjutsu for 20 years, but here we have his date of birth, and he actually is 21 years old. A lot of it was we were not like a normal, like the New York Times, so we would tend to include more deep background detail in our reports to establish credibility. For example, uh, we would tend to print documents. Did I ever tell you the story we time we we published Paul Vanuk's home address? I don't remember that one. Yeah, I had forgotten that guy existed. It was 2013, and Paul had wigged out on a business partner and uh, he, uh, the business partner, I forget his name, he and his wife filed restraining orders against Paul because Paul was absolutely issuing hellacious threats to uh, do bodily damage to him. And quite frankly, I would have believed that Paul would be totally capable of it. Mm. And so we printed some of the restraining orders 
and he did not exercise his home address, not that I thought that he'd ever be in physical danger of someone coming to his house and assaulting him. But there's you then get into a interesting issue with, quote, doxing, which is if you're reproducing government documents, what are your obligations to redact them? And basically, the hard line we had was over social security numbers. That's the stuff we wouldn't yeah. publish because we were, even if there's not necessarily a law, pro, federal law prohibiting it, which I don't think there is, you could have a private action in terms of potentially exposing that information, someone has their identity stolen, and then you are in a tenuous legal position. Yeah. Yeah. We always, of course, thought of ourselves as the good guys, too. That's just not a good guy move. So there's nothing good that's going to come out of that. Nobody needs to have a Sheeta Kim slash Radford Davis's social security number. It's not going to make him any more or less credible as a Japanese Korean ninja master of the 80s. So either way, but. Yeah, just to give a bit more background at Kiwi Farms, there were apparently, there was this website other than Kiwi Farms, which specializes in doxing. And the reason I believe it exists is Jesse Signal, who runs a podcast and is a legit journalist, reported on it, reported on the controversy and the Aga two-part podcast. I did see and he the, discovered the article. He follows me on Twitter, actually. Yeah. So, he, yeah. Yeah. He, so, yeah, he's not without his own controversies. Yeah, he's done reporting on the trans issue, and he makes some trans activists very upset with him because he's pointed out that some of the research talking about puberty blockers, et cetera, mean that there's a lot less certainty than you should, for example, be giving kids under the 18, age of 18 puberty blockers or doing surgery on them. Yeah. As versus maybe waiting until they're over the age of 18. Now, let's not open and, that can of worms on this show. Well, yeah, I'm just saying that it's a legitimate debate over the validity of certain research, uh, which has been done, which says this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's a brand new but, emerging field, and people are actually really invested in the issue, on, especially with regard to protecting people of a vulnerable community. So... Uh, I can see how people can get Which gets us into Keffels. Claire, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Sorrentini. This whole thing blew up on Kiwi Farms, and they basically got, they lost their Cloudflare protection, and they basically were shut down temporarily because some of their members, because apparently Keffels got swatted up in Canada. She blamed Kiwi Farms for it. I do not know whether they were involved or not. They say they weren't. I'm just simply saying that I can't prove it one way or the other. Yeah. Then there's then what happened is she led her home, went to a couple hotel rooms, and she'd take a picture of herself in the hotel room. And some of the Kiwi Farms investigators were good enough to figure out which hotel she was in by virtue of the prints on the, the bed linens. Damn. That's a level of, I'll quote a friend of mine, April Rains, who said that that's a level of weaponized autism. I'm paraphrasing them. That's, but basically, so they said, oh, okay, you're in Hotel X. She flees to another hotel, eventually flees over to Ireland, where apparently she was getting stalked by some wacko over there, who ends up, turns out, not even a member of Kiwi Farms and connected into this controversy over this other doxing website. So it's, pretty obvious that anytime you're actually discussing someone else's life, 
saying to people something along the equivalent though, let's go have contact with this person, let's go visit them, let's go order pizzas on their behalf, et cetera, are all bad things. And Kiwi Farms would say in their defense, it's our part of our rule set that you don't touch what they call the poo, which is these people were making fun of and we enforce these rules. And my response is, I hope that's true, but there's just like the Keffels thread have 50,000 posts. And to an outsider like myself, how in the hell can you go through a 50,000 post history and sort it, call ball and strikes on it? I couldn't even do that in Bolshito, which was a lot smaller. Yeah. Like I would used to. Did, not that I'm arguing on behalf of the those knuckleheads over there. I don't even think they exist anymore. I'm pretty sure it's like permanently, virtually shut down for good, more or less, and nobody will touch it. But did what from their perspective? What was the point in the first place of going after Keffels? Because I, I don't know. Okay, I will. I don't know. Okay, I'll give you the worst thing that seems to have panned out about Keffels, uh, which is. She sponsored and was connected to a individual who had a website that was basically the purpose of the website was to teach underage minors how to order various hormones and other strong medications, which might, yeah, which is, you don't need to talk to your parents about transitioning. Hey, we'll help you hook you up or teach you how to hook up with this various medication which, so you can do it on your own because this is this great social good. And that's at that point in time, I'm like, okay, check, please. I support, I support drugs that treat depression. Gee, maybe I should go to a junior high playground, look for the kids who are depressed and start handing out Prozac because it's such a social good. Not. <laughs> yeah, that. So. I don't know enough. Honestly, I don't know enough. And I'm a medical scientist, so I don't know enough about every aspect of that, that topic other than the perspective of people that are the ones that are getting dogpiled and attacked and beat up and even killed in some cases. Grant me some little bit of leeway to be more sympathetic to the to that side of the issue and instead of the people that are fomenting the hate and outrage against that. But like I said, I don't know enough one way or another. We probably well, should have a like a long form like discussion on that, but that's, yeah, no one's going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Here you asked me what the worst claim was besides generally, generally saying horrible things about people who are transgender. There was some, there was some activity by Keffels, which, which I would consider, I would consider basically illegal, but it comes down to the issue of maybe it's not illegal simply because there's a cutout person, another person who's actually handing out the meds or doing the actual dirty work. And I'm like, okay, if that's true, that's really horrible. But that was one of the things they focused on. And then there was just some general other fighting back and forth over things that I can't even unravel. Yeah. Let's face it. Kiwi Farms does not like transgender people. Yeah, that I have picked up on. And I had only been vaguely aware of them for the longest time. I, they'd come up something to do with Gamergate, a bunch of like overlap of online. Basically, the always online, now middle-aged, white dude, internet dude. The kind of people that we grew up with on, on the internet back in the day that just never left that sort of, that edgelordy sort of presence. Incels. Yeah, I mean, incels, yeah. God, I didn't even think about the the extent to which the incel community just straight hates 
trans people and whatnot. So it's just, it's nasty out there. And I just, but so basically what you're saying though, to circle back to that is that you, is that they, some of them had thought they had a point and everybody of course thinks they do for this righteous crusade. Anytime you're going to go and do something like that to the point where you're investigating people, quote unquote, and doxing them for what you think is a huge wrong that nobody's addressing. So that they thought that it was primarily because this Keffels was giving out information and access to for people to do like self-transitioning, basically hormones and androgens and that kind of thing. Yeah, people under the age of aimed at people under the age of 18. If some 27 year old guy just decides to self-transition, with bathtub medications, what may be dumb as hell, but I'm, I'm like, okay, you can, a lot of times people can make really bad mistakes, yeah. you know, on their own. Yeah, we, and which is funny because uh, it's a little bit different. This is basically the same chemicals as crap, but we've had episodes on, at least one episode on like steroids. And to my knowledge that any of the knuckleheads that go on the internet, they're like, they want to figure out how to do steroids, whether or not, because apparently you don't ask people for how to find them because A, it's illegal. But the standing advice in that context is, dude, if you're under X, in a lot of cases, like 30, maybe even 40, if you're under this age, you're not, don't screw yourself up. If you're, especially if you're a teenager, it's, I'm, it's funny to see like the different in, difference in ethics between literal juice monkeys that are out there just jacking themselves up with like horse testosterone and a bunch of people that probably couldn't lift 20 pounds. And I'm just, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words that the contrast, it's weird saying that these are the good guys. They're like the bros that'll pick you up and throw you across the gym. If you don't unrack your, your fucking squat rack and before you leave, I know I'm rambling on this, but I want to keep us focused on, on the ethical aspect of this. Yeah, once again, the Kiwi Farm stuff was relevant because their kind of bullshit was investigations with some mockery on the side. Kiwi Farms was mockery with some investigations on the side. Not to say they some of the people on Kiwi Farms are not incredibly good investigators, but the reason for the stated reason for the website was okay, we put up threads about people who have put embarrassing stuff up about themselves on the internet and we make fun of them. And while that may be bullying, it may be reprehensible if people are putting up horrible things about themselves on the internet and these other people are just reposting it, then it's hard to call that doxing. Yeah, if you put yourself out there. Yeah, I mean, obvious, obviously, there obviously someone says, okay, if, okay, fun, fun story. Ron Collins, fake ninja, wackadoo who just got out of jail after spending close to five years for purchasing a firearm after he had been in a, he had been involuntarily committed. Oof. So he ended up showing up on Kiwi farms to tell everyone what, a, how his legal action was going to go wonderfully in the court because he was appealing his conviction. And he self published his own, uh, a document with his own social security number. Oh. And I still remember Phil Elmore saying to him, dude, you just published your own social security number. And I'm like, okay, that's not exactly Kiwi Farms can't be blamed for doxing there because a person just did their own damage. Yeah. So I guess what you get into is a situation where if you have this ostensibly worthy goal, which is we were, okay, investigating martial arts fraud, and we would make case-by-case basis determinations for what information to release in public that we thought would support the investigation. And obviously... Most of the time, addresses weren't involved, but occasionally they were when 
it was a matter of establishing someone's real identity. Yeah. And then there was also other things that would come out occasionally, phone numbers, et cetera. But in general, the people we were dealing with were men, and we did not see a physical danger to them. And there wasn't like, oh, everyone go call this person to harass them. Yeah. But at the same time, a couple investigation threads in the 2000s got blown up because we had a couple real idiots who would come on them and start saying outrageous, ridiculous stuff. And so we did shut down a couple investigation threads. I remember one, it was, God, it involves this guy, a commander Cole in his program was Nightbreed. Ugh, and it was basically, yeah, the joke in the, the joke on the threads was it should have been called Inbreed. <laughs> and we're off to try to figure out when the heck he was doing when someone named Jay, I forget the last name, begins with a C, showed up and just started blow, stopping it from being a regulated inquiry, asking relevant questions to just making all kinds of comments, which were off the charts. And it was like, okay, guess what? Check, please. We're done here. We can't do this investigation. Yeah. And if that would occasionally ha happen on Bullshito, then I don't know how in the hell you could control, if you're an administrator or a mod, you could control what was going on at Kiwi Farm Worth, anything the pressure to behave 4chan or 8chan would be that much greater. Hey, maybe they did. Maybe they kept it under control. I don't know. But to make a statement either way, I could spend six months reviewing their threats. Yeah, no. I never had an account over there. I wasn't even aware of them until I just heard some chatter about Gamergate-related crap and this and that. So, yeah, but I think the salient point here is that we... Head up. We were doing stuff for a reason. It wasn't just, we weren't being vindictive little shits. Some of that was, yeah, we were, <laughs> were reveling in it a little bit, but that, the point was to, at the end of the day, it was to protect consumers from these assholes that were preying on the ignorance of a really weird niche hobby thing, which was the martial arts at the time. And uh, we've since expanded what we do to a little bit bigger fish than a bunch of kind of maladjusted or sad and lonely men that are just trying to pretend that there's somebody important by pretending they're a karate master or whatever. It was, I can tell you there was one investigation we shut down because of possible danger to the person we were investigating. And that was a case of a, I think it was, it may have been Alex Cross. He wrote, that's a fictional name. He wrote books about the banditos and the hell's angels and law enforcement paid him to infiltrate both. Yeah. And uh, so the problem is he had, of course, I served in Nam. I was part of the CIA, all this like totally out of control crapola. Yeah. Oh, and I am a martial arts master, which is what got us in. And one of the members of the forum got a pretty good lead on his real name. We hadn't tested it yet, but he also contacted the Hells Angels and found out that if they could get their hands on him, they would beat him bloody. And this was after 2013. Yeah. And we and I and the person had a meeting where we a phone meeting where basically it was, OK, do we really want to do this? Because once we go down this path, we know what the result is going to be. And we were like, ah, this is a person. This is a first. This is a person who will actually get their head knocked off yeah. if we reveal their real name. But in years of doing investigation, that was like the in nine years plus. That was the only one which I found like that. Yeah, well, that's good at least because 
we don't want to be responsible for somebody getting hurt, much less manslaughter. Now, there's a difference between sparring and cleaning somebody's clock, but then you know, setting somebody up to get their ass kicked by a biker gang. He set himself up. He did a lot of damage to both of the banditos primarily, but also got some Hells Angels arrested. And quite frankly, if they could ever get their paws on him, it wouldn't be good for him. Yeah, no, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> they hold grudges. And uh, yeah, but uh, so yeah, you, you, I guess what you have is this kind of floating standard, which is we think we're doing the right thing. We're investigating consumer fraud or other question behavior. And we have to make a decision for which facts we're going to release, which are relevant and which prove our case. And sometimes we tend to go more on the side of building a dossier than, say, a regular journalistic outfit, which credibility tends to be more assumed. They don't tend to show as many steps in the process when they're rolling out their their event. Yeah, I mean, their, uh, their publication. Freewheeling people. Nobody was, nobody's getting paid for this. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do and because probably because somebody has gotten burned in the past and that become their it became their issue, their axe to grind. Yeah, come on, join the gang. Let's fix this problem. And in the early days of the internet, you could do that a little bit more. Now, now I don't think so. There's not that sense of community anymore. Where it really lives on is a lot of the stolen valor stuff where you get someone, you know, and the veterans are trying to police their own, but it's a monumental task because, for example, just to use one field, there seems to be an endless number of losers who are happy to claim that they're U.S. Navy SEALs yes. when they either weren't in the military or they weren't in any specialty relevantly related to being a Navy SEAL. Yeah, It's not simply like some guy what was the lying name? at a bar uh, the to major like hook. Or organization that does that? I forgot. It was like SEAL something or other. There's Seal? been several. The Authentic SEAL was around for a while. Let's see. There's a guy named Don Shipley out of Maryland or Virginia who seems to do the most of it. Yeah. And what they do is someone will call in, and Don started getting so many requests that he eventually just said, okay, there's a $20 fee because <laughs> this takes time. Yeah. And I don't blame him. They were taking a lot of his personal time. But <clears throat> so someone comes in with a name, and Don runs it through a database of everyone who's graduated from BUDS. And basically, not everyone who graduates from BUDS goes through other training and becomes a SEAL, but you can't become a SEAL unless you go through the basic underwater demolition course. It's okay, you weren't in there. Once they confirm the name, it's like a fail. But even then, they simply couldn't keep up with the pure volume of the guys who wanted to run around claiming they were U.S. Navy SEALs. Amazing. Yeah. No, they just like candidate in... No, he wasn't claiming he was a SEAL, but some... Senator or no, a congressman candidate from I think Ohio or something claimed he was an Afghan vet and he got discharged from the army as an E2 or something before he even never served. Yeah, yeah, with him, he claimed he had served and I think he had indicated he had served in Iraq, in Afghanistan, or one of the two. And, and then he said it was classified. It turns out the, why you couldn't find anything about it. Yeah. He well, pulled, he pulled the only time I ever ran, yeah, the only time I ever ran into a record. It was for some guy who was a fake, but he had, I think he, he wasn't a Green Beret. He was claiming he was a Green Beret, but he actually was doing radio work. Yeah. And he was in a classified location. And on his on his release records, where they list where his locations were, yeah. it just said classified. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is how the military handles it. 
and not, oh, oh this time just disappears. Yeah, no, it, it would go on a record somewhere about something, yeah. Reminds me of, damn it, what was that guy's name? Oh, some weird little dude that, I guess, lived in Thailand doing God knows what. And try, it was Byron B- Bondurant. Was that him? Yeah, tried to call me out on my military thing, and I was like, okay. I got up from the desk, walked over to where my all my freaking files were, scanned them, and I posted them within, what, an hour? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, Chuck Harden was the one who really built the dossier on that guy. And, yeah, he was basically... Went into the military, became a hel- was trained as a helicopter repair person, didn't spend much time doing it, ended up in Walter Reed either because of physical or mental issues. We never figured out which. And then he later, like 15, 20 years later, he's on the Internet blabbing away about how he still is under government orders and he can go into the U.S. Embassy when he wants. And he's like this big bad dude. And it was just like the most bizarre rereading of his military career one could imagine, which I think what it demonstrates is you can sign up for the military, last a couple of years, and still have some pretty serious mental issues. Yeah, yeah, you can still make it through all the screening process. No, what didn't um didn't we have a guy actually go to Thailand? He was he wasn't he didn't go to Thailand for that because why the fuck would you do that? That's ridiculous. But he was there. Oh, for like that was Red Elvis. Red Elvis is was his screen name, but he basically got Bondurant too. He basically cornered Bondurant as much as you could on the internet. Yeah. As in, I will be at this location, then let's throw down. Yeah. And Bondurant basically, I got out of it. And he just, he, Bondurant just couldn't get out of it until he. Yep. I mean, but, all the way to your yeah. own country, to that country that you're, you think you're safe in. And, you know, we, we got a guy who's like, hey, come on, let, let, let's do this. So. Yeah. If we were doing investigations today, we would probably, we had a guide up at one point, and it was fairly specific. There were certain things you wouldn't do, yeah. such as doing human engineering, like calling like a company and claiming you were the person you were investigating and trying to get information that way. Yeah, that's we, basically hacker shit. Yeah, we wouldn't do that. At times, we, we occasionally put someone in unannounced to a martial arts school to informally talk to the martial arts master just to confirm they were saying, all the crap that they were saying online. It wasn't like just some of some student putting it up. Who was really good at that was Georgette. She could just walk in there, look at someone, and they would just, I don't know what it was, but they would just start telling these tall tales to her. Yeah. Yeah, Georgette is a gem. But we yeah, it's like... I think she has I mean, since retired from doing all that sort of thing. And Yeah, she's retired over a decade ago. But the bottom line is she was just very good at just looking at them. Oh, what do you do? Yeah, and they would just try to oppress her by telling her all this crap. Impress the little but, lady you know, with a big old smile on her face. And but I, I never it, if I was running, if I was running. Yeah, that's great. Nobody, because yeah, we, we both know who we're talking about. And we'll keep it vague for the rest of the world. But yeah, that just... It's it was it's always entertaining seeing that the wheels turn behind that because you're okay. I'm gonna stop gush. She's great. But she's basically my sister. Yeah. But yeah, if we were doing, if we were running an investigative unit today, we would probably have to sit down and have a formal policy on what sort of doxing we would be doing because, quite frankly, you couldn't run an investigation unit without at least doing some of it. 
Yeah. So you'd have to sit down and have to have a formalized policy, maybe something something that was less less rigid than like a newspaper, but something that might have be might have had more control than what we used to do. Yeah. Yeah, but focused on the principle of informing the public about a threat, not just being vindictive and being assholes which is what the internet does in general. So a lot of people are just lashing out at people indiscriminately. And that's, that wasn't really what we were doing. We were trying to stop a bunch of anywhere from somebody pretending they were a black belt to using their status as an instructor to creep on and predate on women or female students and stuff. So we went after a lot of that. And I, I think when you're going and you're doing things from an, with a, an ethical thing in mind, to an extent, the ends do justify the means, as long as you're not breaking too many laws to get there or too many rules. So We're not going to get into a trolley problem or anything, but there's a real simple moral calculus when it comes to whether or not how far you go into looking something up. And it's just as far as you need to demonstrate that this person is a threat and here's the evidence. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the stuff we would generate was court records, which unless it's filed under seal, it's not confidential at all. And some people would be surprised when it shows up 15 years after the fact. I remember when Lloyd Irvin, they couldn't find, we couldn't find anything, any legal paperwork, but we did find a newspaper clipping about when he got arrested for rape and he got a walk because his excuse, according to the newspaper clipping, was I couldn't get an erection, therefore I couldn't participate in this gang rape. And, oh my God, the the result of that was just the mockery that followed was awe-inspiring. Yeah, no, and for the longest time, we maintained the website. It has since resorted, or re, re, returned back to where it came from. We we didn't pay keep paying for the domain. It was like Lloyd Irvin rapetruth.com or something like that with all the facts about that. So we were hosting that at our legal jeopardy because a lot of other people had been threatened and we're just like, fucking bring it on. But I I don't know. Is that guy still, do you follow this? Is he still in the jujitsu community still doing things? Yeah, I believe he is. He's off. I don't know how he was running two business. One, which was his martial arts school and his competition team. And then he was running some sort of multi- multi-level marketing. I will teach you how to market your market yourself. And some of the stories that were coming out made it seem like culty exercise, but yeah, yeah, he's basically still going on doing his thing. And he had a couple of his students who got busted for raping one of their co-students in a parking garage in DC. And they got a walk because apparently the defense lawyer was really good. The witness was traumatized, and uh, she couldn't take the cross, and she managed to, you know, were you really, take a look at this video. There was a video, which I've never seen, by the way. You see here how you move in? You really were cooperating with him, weren't you, when you were having sex? That's that's gutter fighting. Repugnant. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, yeah, you get traumatized once by the rape, and you get traumatized the second time when the when you go to trial and defense yep. attorney you really need a better rips you apart to handle that i don't think our legal system is set up to not to to deal with this in a way that is it doesn't double damage somebody that doesn't re-injure them emotionally. Yeah. better minds than me by far have thought about it and 
there doesn't seem to be an easy way. And at least with college sexual assault investigations, when they tried to make them user-friendly, they ended up doing things which would, you know, which ended up denying due process rights. There's, I don't know where this, I don't know where the best solution is. And you could have a judge sitting there saying, okay, that question's out of bounds. This question's out of bounds. But a lot of time, the defense attorney gets leeway to explore all kinds of things. But just, uh, I, I can't help but think there's a better way to do that. But like I said, we're not a society. We're not a society guided by experts. We're a society guided, guided by feelings and whoever networks the best. And so two paths. So the rise to the top. Yeah. Just getting back to doxing, it's certainly that you that anyone in the consumer investigation field ends up like I there was a case where, you know, in my neck of the woods where this is relatively non inflammatory, but there was like a pool installation company that ripped off like twenty or so of its clients. And so when the regular newspaper started investigating because there was there was crimes charged, bankruptcy, all this other stuff going on. A lot of the details, which you would have tended to see, say, on Bolshito, tended to come out, like addresses, previous complaints, et cetera. It's, it's hard to do a good investigation and not, if I had to explain to someone, privacy, everyone thinks they have a right to privacy. And this is, they do have a right to privacy if they're a private person up to a point, but no one agrees where the line is. Yeah, uh, it's why like why light contact fighting tournaments suck so much because everyone has a different idea where light where what light contact is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there's some, some certain things we can agree like, gee, you you shouldn't take someone's medical records and blow them all over the internet. Yeah, you shouldn't. That's you, you, if they're legitimately private, you shouldn't be doing that. But uh, then there's things which, like someone says, okay, you can't print someone's address, like ever, like what happens if they're a voter and it's public information, for example. So let's actually, I'll ask a question because it's a hypothetical that's relevant to our audience. Let's say, I don't know, somebody just browsing around the internet, finds a PDF uploaded somewhere, and it has what looked to be like verif- reasonably verifiable collection of Joe Rogan's medical records that have all kinds of interesting information and that is given that he participates as a public figure and literally sells supplements and makes claims about this and that alpha brain, whatever, is it ethical to share that with a broader audience now, not as an individual, not as a publisher, but as a guy who goes to Twitter or to some other social media platform or a user on the Bullshito forums? Is it ethical for them to do that? Let's let me repeat back what you've told me just to make sure I understand it all. Okay. okay. Joe Rogan is involved in selling supplements, supplement, sup, supplements, which he claims has all these great results for people. Yeah. His personal his personal medical records have something in that which would tend to contradict that uh that's what i seem to be hearing from you if yeah let's if just it's say, something which hasn't because otherwise what, there's no point if it, his medical records say yeah he's perfectly healthy and i don't know probably attributed to alpha brain why he's i don't know good at podcasting some bullshit whatever yeah, obviously if it contradicts or for example his thing where he didn't he didn't get a vaccine i don't know what his vaccine status is for real but he was a vaccine hesitant 
and was mo- relying on monoclonal antibodies and whatnot and I don't know, saunas and shit. Let's just say that in this scenario, he absolutely came out and said, I'm never going to get a vaccine because myocarditis, blah, blah, blah. But you, there's this document that clearly looks like it's verifiable information and you, indeed you could verify it and let's just say it does it, it is verifiable and it says oh yeah he's triple vaxxed and you know all, that's all a bunch of horse yeah uh, yeah quite frankly in that case there's a HIPAA violation for whoever was the healthcare provider if yeah. you let that information escape yeah big but huge for you or I we could make a pretty good case that we're not HIPAA we're not in, we're not healthcare providers. Uh, this information fell into our lap. We didn't go steal it someplace. Yeah. It came to us. And therefore, this is not just simply ha ha Joe Rogan. This is this guy's advocating certain things which could kill some people. Eh, basically, and therefore, it's a public interest to publish this information. Okay. Now he might come. He might then turn around and say, "I'm going to sue you for invasion of privacy." On the other hand, responsibility—if it's already floating out there on the internet and we didn't steal it—that's yeah. going to be a fairly attenuated claim. Okay. Yeah. I'm just—I'm thinking there, there's the legality and then there's the ethical issues. And so to boil it down is, I guess, the important distinction: is it of the public interest with regards to somebody who is a public figure? And in which case. Yeah. Personal information isn't necessarily something that should be kept yeah. from the public, provided it doesn't put them in physical harm. If Joe down the street, who has 40 people on his Facebook page and he's a nobody, starts saying they'll never get faxed and this document comes out, then you could argue that the trade off is just not there. Yeah. The trade off is the trade off is just not there for violating their for ethically violating their privacy. Yeah. And the point is, there's su- supposed to be uh, there's supposed to be something there. For example, uh, you get this MMA guy, and let's just say they have ED problems, and it has nothing to do with their MMA career. But you're published, and he's never said anything which would bring this into issue. Yeah. And oh, we're going to publish it just to make him look like a fucking idiot. And then you're like, okay, there was really no greater purpose served by it. Yeah, it's just malicious. There, there's no. It... Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. On the other hand, if he was taking money from people because I'm going to teach you the MMA pickup method taught to be by mystery, then it starts, you start to, it gets more shaky. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's cool. I think we, uh, I think we just solved the ethics of doxing in our program. Just us. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no, it's a case, but I think it's a case by case basis and if I was still running investigation, investigations, it would be just another layer of review, which is which of this, what of this information do we absolutely really need? Exactly. And just to be clear, when we were running investigations, we weren't publishing everything we found out about people because sometimes it was just totally irrelevant. Yeah. Yep. Cool. But yeah, I can think of about five or six investigations where we did a deep dive into someone like address background because they were for example using multiple names and it then became okay who is this person really yeah so i don't know if you can hear that sound but that means it's the time of the show where we (laughs) this is so corny but we've started doing it and it seems to be received this you have to answer the question. If you if I snap my fingers right now and you're standing in, in a 
across the cage from anyone, and it could be anyone, a living person, not Teddy Roosevelt or some shit. It, it, who would you choose to fight, and why? First of all, the people who I would really enjoy fighting are a bunch of political consultants who don't do martial arts <laughs> and who you've never heard of, which kind of defeats the entire purpose. It's just that I've come, I've been on bad terms with them for years. But that's inside baseball in Connecticut. Yeah. You know, I know that's a non-specific answer, but I don't really they know who they want to live out my. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to live out my fantasies of revenge on a podcast. They exist, but I don't want I don't want to feed them. So let's just say a person that the average person listening to this would know, and you could fight them, whatever, for great justice or for whatever reason, just because you you always wanted to get your ass kicked by them. I think somebody came up with that answer once. The question which I'd ask is, okay, would it's one thing to fight someone who you could take. But who would you fight if you knew that there was a really substantial chance that they would win and you'd get pretty mangled? Yeah. In my case, I think it would be oh, easily three, oh, no, three-fourths, 75% to my 25, me fighting Joe Rogan, for example, because I could get lucky. I can land a few shots early. But in your case, though, who would it be? You've gotten my best answer. Ah, okay. But this is the problem with talking to attorneys on the uh, on things. You're like nailing down is like trying to use a thumbtack to to get Jello to stick to the wall. It's you guys. Yeah, I know, but you hate us until you need us. Yeah, I think that's how we started this conversation. All right, Sam, you don't maintain much of a social media presence these days, unless I've been missing it completely. Is there anywhere you anything you want to promote? Any where you want people to find you or just anything in general you want to let the rest of the world know about right now? Not re not really at the moment. Eventually, if I write some true crime books, hey. that'll be different, but I really need a product to promote. I did write a self-published book on Kindle about political door knocking and sold, as I tell people, I sold all of nine copies laugh at I think me. I but... was one of those. At least I know I at least had it in my shopping cart if I didn't buy a copy. I don't know if you can see who bought them by email address, but I swear I, I, yeah, I, but, I looked that up. But the long and the short is what I learned is if you're going to write another book and put the time into it, you need to build your marketing campaign from scratch, from ground zero. Yeah. Because eventually, even if you go with a traditional publisher, a lot of them don't do shit to publish books if you're not named Stephen King. Yeah. So and once you and, bring the audience. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is they're going to, that's a question which you'll get asked, which is, okay, we like the text, but what have you done to promote it? How many fo online followers do you have? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, I'm not complaining about a reality. It's just the days where you could be, oh, who was the guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye? Steinbeck? No, it wasn't him. The guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye basically was a recluse who lived up in, lived up in New Hampshire and... And he basically got to have his cake and eat it, too. And he didn't have to go promote his book. And guess what? Those days are friggin' over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's the Internet. Everybody's got a book except me because I've been writing it for 15 years now. And it's there's no point to finishing the book that I started because the world is completely different. I think half of the crap. And it was a sci-fi book. And I think half of it has already come true. And I don't know. This is what I get for half-ass starting things and not finishing them. But whatever. At least we did Bullshito. <laughs> Yeah, and I would say don't take my word about 
necessarily about as the final pronouncement about Kiwi Farms. Go look at Jesse Signal's podcast. Listen to it. It's a two-parter. Guy named whose screen name is Destiny. He uses his real name when he wrote an article, wrote an entire description of the couple's affair. Of course, they don't like each other, but it was actually pretty well-reasoned. Yeah, I've uh, seen that guy's go do your own re- uh, around uh, couples and vice versa. But honestly, I'm not pried into that at all. I barely have time to keep up with my own yeah, go, Twitter account. Don't take my word about Kiwi Farms. Go do your own research. Maybe I have some of the facts, which I've told you. Maybe they're a little bit off because I didn't spend six months of my life going over the threads, calling balls and strikes like I used to do at Bullshito. Yeah, we all have grown-up jobs, and talk, talking to internet weirdos isn't. Is it really profitable? It doesn't pay bills. Unless it does when (laughs) Joe Rogan, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a small percentage of people who have really made money doing this. He lasts for, who was that founder of Something Awful, the guy who killed himself? Yeah, Rich Kanka. Yeah, and he had the real moneymaker going, and he just pissed it all away because of his drug addictions and his dysfunction and yeah i when that happened i actually because I, I knew rich i actually lived down the street from him for like 10 years so we'd see each other once in a while and had lunch at his house and that kind of thing but yeah i got had problems and, and then he gave you and then he gave you a black belt and no one else know but now he's dead you can now claim your 10th degree black belt in the internet yeah in the internet yeah i know that works i'll go with that but yeah hey. the saddest thing is that dude was so responsible for so much of internet culture and Nobody knows. No, None of the kids these days know anything about that. He didn't create memes because Richard Dawkins coined the term meme. But without him, there would not have been a 4chan. There would not have been half the websites back there. And we wouldn't have any of the damn edgelords. We wouldn't have memes because nobody would have bothered. They would have just, what is this? But well, I will, I've taken how do you a, define? Go ahead. How do you define edgelord? I've heard the term. Edgelord, What's yeah. a sappy definition for an ed- edgelord? I mean, it very tightly overlaps with troll in the original sense of somebody that's trying to get a rise out of somebody. And then just somebody that takes that to extreme, that, that becomes part of their identity. And their online presence is just being so contrarian that there's no way to redeem it socially. They just want to start shit. And that's how they get, get their notoriety and kicks. Like Michael Tracy? Yeah. Yeah, we have modern ones, yeah, a ton of them. Uh, and fortunately, most of them these days are on the right politically. And yeah, some of us have grown up a little bit instead of that. Because, you know, I was one of the OG edgelords. It's how this all got kicked off. I just decided to do something with, maybe I had a little bit more moral <laughs> guidance, some ethical principles that that were important. Well, to me. yeah, when Bullshito was created, it was it grew out of the Abu Dhabi Combat Club. And your initial membership was created by basically trolling other websites so people do create interest in Bullshito. And gradually you got the nucleus of various posters there. Yeah. And God, I remember, God, we used to, Bullshito used to go over and troll martial arts planet and just deliberately say stupid things to see if the reader, the regular readers on martial arts planet would pick it up. Yeah. Not very mature, but I'm just telling that story because it's not like I can say, we were always the adults in the room. Speaking of Martial Arts Planet, the, one of the two hosts of the, uh, what is it, Decoding the Gurus, the podcast where they take like all these online pseudo slash intellectuals, like internet personalities and gurus and all these like pundits and stuff and just deconstruct all their bullshit. One of them was a moderator on MAP and he let me know this at one point, but we talked about it when, when I went on his show. Ooh, what was that, two years ago now? 
But yeah, Chris Cavanaugh, he's a professor of, he's an anthropology guy out of Japan, which, so yeah, and he thought it was hilarious and he was a moderator in the time. So when we were most antagonistic against those people, but yeah, I, like I said, I always promote the, those guys' podcasts because it's fantastic. But the other thing too was to be fair about MAP, they got more savvy with time. So at one point in retrospect, it was probably really Frank Dukes, but he showed up there, the new username, Frank Dukes, and he started making his typical pronouncements. And they're like, you're either going to prove you're Frank Dukes or we're going to just ban you. Yeah. And that drove uh, that drove uh, who I think was Frank's up the wall because he wasn't getting the deference, which he totally expected. Which is funny because, you know, and, these yeah. guys probably would have been like, wow, oh my God, you you really won the Kumite in 11 seconds. Shut up. All right, dude. Uh, yeah, no, is, that was. I got to wrap it up because I got to go get up and at four in the morning to do a bunch of science shit. We need to do this more often. We will need to check back in and have more, more bullshito back in the day stuff too. But I definitely appreciate you coming on and getting into some of these ethical issues. Yeah, once again. It was when you're calling balls and strikes, as a general proposition, you don't call all of them correctly. If I was doing it all over again, maybe there would have been some stuff I did differently. I think we both feel that way about stuff, man. But that was the early internet. We didn't know.